This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. The worldwide leaders. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so if you've missed this announcement on our social pages over the last 24 hours, uh, this is the this is one of the other reasons that uh, Mitch had to step away. One of the other things that we wanted to reveal to you guys earlier that we were excited about, and that is that we have been acquired by ESPN and are now there. NRL podcast, uh, Campo. It's quite exciting. As you said, we're just one step away from being co-anchors on SportsCenter. I know. I can like get, get the plane to Bristol ready because uh, I'll be coming in hot. But Absolutely. no, it is it is yeah. it is really exciting. I um, and a lot of people have been very kind. Um, <laughs> congratulations and all that. Um, I feel a little bit of stolen valor because I've sort of parachuted in as this was all happening and played a very small role, if any role at all, in getting the show here. This was all a lot of work that you and Mitch put in um, over the years. But uh, Mitch is gone now and I'm Mm. in charge. And I've been on the show for three weeks and we've already been acquired by the biggest sports media company in the world. So, you know, put two and two together there. Yes, even though I just explicitly told listeners that, that this is one of the reasons why Mitch left. It was all you somehow. <laughs> no, nah, it's good. It's it's exciting. Yeah. It's 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 just it's just really exciting. It and, is. Um, it is. It's sort of the start of a of a bit of a new era for the mm. show. I would think. I think a lot of the stuff that people have really come to enjoy over the past eight or nine years, way back to the get around these days, that like those sorts of things will still be around and they'll never change. But um, yeah, got to grow. Yeah, that's it. And there's a lot of exciting new things coming in the future that we're both very excited about. And once we have more of a concrete idea of what those things are going to be and when they're going to come out, we'll be the we'll, we'll make sure to tell you. Is there some sort of uh, red faces like segment where we'll have a gong and we'll judge people as they perform in front of us? Well, you know how every couple of years the Telegraph rolls out Daryl Summers and he says, "Oh, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't do it, days. you couldn't do it these days." So yeah. what we're going to do in order to take this show to the next level is just make it like, "Hey, hey, it's Saturday," but with just less racism. Okay, good, a lot less racism, I hope. Well, you know, well let's not let's not go crazy. That but... those stories are wild every year, but anyway, because <laughs> <laughs> you can you can set your watch to them honestly. You really can. Like every couple of years, poor old Daryl. He's been cancelled with his multi- multiple gigs on mainstream television, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, uh, footy's back. So let's not talk about it Saturday anymore. Uh, Melbourne, Golden Point winners over Parramatta in the season opener. A scrappy game at times, but it gave us a close end and I was entertained throughout Campo. And that really is all you can ask for a lot of the time. It doesn't have to be the best game, but it was close and it was entertaining and had a fantastic finish. Yep. Going in red exactly no it was really good it was really, like the thing like the thing is the first week of the season is, is always going to be a little bit scrappy so i saw a little i saw a couple of people whinging about golden point last night and i saying oh you know it was so messy and all that sort of thing it's like yeah it was but it was exciting and that's really all you want in the first couple of games of the season you want to get the blood pumping again a little bit you know and i thought this was um maybe not a, an expertly played game but certainly like a really gripping one and I th- you know and it was really in the balance nearly the whole way through. And part of that was because both sides were quite sloppy towards the end, making errors and sort of, you know, not being able to execute under fatigue and all that, but it sort of impacted both sides equally. So it kept things really, really tight. I I thought the Storm, as they managed to keep their incredible streak of round one victories under Craig Bellamy alive, they, 
I was thinking about why they're so good at this time of the year, right? And, you know, of course, they have a lot of good players and they have a great coach and all that sort of thing. But I think the style that they play is just so well suited to these early season rounds because at its absolute core, through all the different iterations that the Storm have had under Bellamy and all the different players and all the different combinations, it always comes back to, like, a couple of really core tenants where they get they try to get the most out of their best players and everyone else just does the little things right and tries to execute as best they can. And that might sound really simple and really basic and really easy to do, but if it was easy to do, then everyone would do it, you know? So at the start of the year when people are still figuring things out and everyone's still getting blown out the cobwebs and getting some of the miles in the legs, that sort of stuff really shines through. How well you're prepared and how well you're coached really comes through. So I, th- I think this 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 sort of thing about Bellamy and winning round one and all that it's really taken on a life of its own these last couple of years. But I, it's it is it is a real measure of of the success of his style and how well he prepares his players for a season and not just his best players, every player right down the roster all the way to to play a number thirty or whatever. Everybody always knows their job, and to me that's the real that's one of the real hallmarks of the Melbourne Storm system. It's a big reason why they won this game. Yeah, he's the best. It's it, the streaks at Undertaker levels of mythicism now. Um, every every I think I tweeted after the game that you could give him any roster you wanted. It doesn't matter. They'll go out there and do their jobs because this is what's drilled into these players from the roster top down all throughout the preseason. Um, there are a lot of guys out there. I, I mean, Cam Munster coming back was heroic. He looked out there and didn't see the star-studded back line that he's used to. Looked down at his own hand, severed in 10 places and just said, well... We're here and we're just going to do this. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't matter who's outside me. Uh, we're just going to somehow get back in this and win this game. And that dummy he threw was one of, honestly, one of the best dummies I've ever seen a person throw. That's a dummy camper that I'm sure you threw on your brother playing one-on-one backyard footy when you were a kid because he's, he basically threw it up to himself and then looped around. It was incredible. I don't know if dummy's the right word because I actually think he threw the pass and then changed his mind as soon as he threw it. (laughs) It's crazy. The only guy I've seen who sort of did that kind of thing regularly was was Scott Prince. Scott Prince, especially when in his early, early Tigers days when he was still running around like a mad thing, he had this dummy where he'd show the ball out like that with one hand and like the ball would actually, he'd sort of like, like, you know, sort of flip it up to himself sometimes as well. But even then, he'd only do that when he was, you know, 10 metres from the defensive line or whatever. He wouldn't do it off a scrum, off a scrum win, taking on the defenders and all, but taking on the defenders when they're right in your face and all that. That was exceptional from Munster. And, you know, coming back on when your hand looks like it's exploded is just unbelievable. And no one would have blamed him. He'd put the feet up. He'd said, it's round one. What are you going to do? But, like, I guess he must have thought, you know what? We're not flying home till tomorrow. i got to kill some time. Like, let's go play some footy. Yep. Um, I, I thought he was great. Uh, uh, Harry Grant, there's not much you can say about him oh, that we don't know. He's just an best, best on the field, player. I thought. And, like, he he really turned the tide for the Storm, I thought, um, when they got back into the game sort of just after halftime when uh, Paulo and RCG were both off at the same time for Parramatta. And I think a real measure of how good Grant was is that he was – really impacting the game, even though the Storm weren't, they weren't dominating in the middle, I didn't think, especially in that period. They were just kind of holding their own. And Grant was the one that turned it up for them. He was he was fantastic. He was fantastic. Nick, Best Nick on Me- ground for me. Nick Meaney had a couple of mistakes, but I also thought he had a fantastic game too. He wants that, he'd want that field goal attempt back. But other than that, like, honestly, like, 
that he was very solid. Uh, then some of the lesser lights didn't shine. A few guys had some nights to forget. Um, but yeah, overall, it, this is just classic Melbourne, right? And it's weird because you, you might, if you didn't watch this game, go, oh, it was, you know, Melbourne dug deep and they won this on their defense stuff. But honestly, a lot of it was self-inflicted by Parramatta. A lot of what they did wrong came from their own mistakes. Uh, and a lot of them weren't called, but they threw a ton of forward passes. You had Mike Acevo. They're not, him... they're not forward if they don't get okay. called. Uh, you had Mike Acevo kicking to himself on tackle zero late in the game. That was an absolutely insane, insane piece of play. Um, and I thought that a lot of the time they were just shuffling from side to side. I don't think anybody in their spine played particularly well. Uh, and this isn't to single out Josh Hodgson because, yeah, I thought the halves were poor. I didn't think Gutho did too much. It just wasn't a great performance from Parramatta after starting pretty brightly in the first 15 minutes. And then after that, they kind of just shuffled around and didn't offer a whole lot. I'm curious if you saw it any differently than that, but I wasn't too impressed with what I saw from them in a game that, especially when Cam Munster missed 40 or so minutes, I really wanted them to get on top in that period and and get a healthier lead, but they never led by more than six points. Well, they weren't, they weren't sharp. I wouldn't say, especially later in the game. There was a lot of like really kind of, basic errors. This is the sort of thing that you only think about after a team plays ball year in round one, but I do think it's telling that Brown and Moses both had really long years last year. They both went to the World Cup. They wouldn't have gotten in that much of a preseason. And that stuff really does it really does matter when you're when you're when you're trying to hit the ground running in round one. You 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 talked about um you talked about Hodgson. You know how sometimes like you, you, you see a friend and you haven't seen that friend in a couple of years. And in the lead up to seeing that friend, you, you don't worry, but you wonder, you know, like, you know, have I changed? Have they changed? Are things going to be different to the way they were before? And then you see that friend and it's like, you saw them yesterday. That's exactly what happened with Josh Hodgson. Like we got the full Josh Hodgson experience last night. Like I've seen Josh Hodgson play that exact game for Canberra countless times, countless times. It was there was it, it it had absolutely everything. Like, for example, setting up that try for Will Penasini, Hodgson did that nearly on his own by just focusing on one one like sort of uh path up the field, one sort of um passage, and he was just hammering it with his forwards until the storm got sucked in and he caught Trent Loyera on the ground, and then he hit someone who was fast out the back so they could take advantage of the mismatch he created. He hit Clint Gutherson this time. I've seen him do that with Chance Nickel Cookstad and Jack White and a thousand times. It was fantastic. The same thing with um with Junior Paulo. I've seen him link up like he linked up with Junior Paulo for that try. Seen him do that with Josh Papali'i so many times. It's great. It's great. I've also seen him overcall his halves and go down a short side when he absolutely shouldn't have done that one, it. That one late in the game was insane. It was insane. Yeah. But you gotta you, like, but that that's what that's kind of what Josh Hodgson does. I've seen Aiden Caesar and every other halfback that Canberra's ever had since Josh Hodgson's been there. I've seen that same exasperated expression on his face like this was the quintessential josh hodgson game he hasn't he hasn't changed he's back he's back man and he's back with all the good and all the bad and all the smarts and all the crazy like it's just fantastic it made me so happy it made me so happy that he's still the exact same player that he was before this most recent and like you talk about the spine and all that. I thought they got the balance really, they really, really nailed it in maybe about the first 30 minutes. And then after that, they kind of, it was kind of like too many cooks yeah. were spoiling the broth. I, I you think know? as our editor at large, Mitch Doyle noted that um, maybe Hodgson's not the right hooker for this team in the sense that both their halves are very ball dominant. They just want a guy who's going to 
get there quickly, give them clean service. And Josh Hodgson can do that at times, but that's not his bag. His bag is doing the whole range of things that you just outlined. And perhaps it is a case of too many cooks for them this year. And it's only one game. Like they could just figure it out, but you're right. Josh Hodgson is not going to change the way he plays. Uh, how far away are we from Mitch Moses letting a, sh- a shrill scream fly at his number nine during a game that gets Moses, picked up on the mic? Moses mice. hasn't done that in a good couple of years. Like I think, like we all remember in the past, where you could you could pick him up on the on the on field mics. Like well, maybe really... that's just a testament to how good Reed Marnie was over the last couple of seasons. Well, I, it's, I, I think it's kind of just like like Reed Marnie really suited what they were. Yeah, exactly. What they were trying to do definitely. Um, I, I probably have a little bit more confidence than some people that Hodgson can sort of fit into that into that uh, combination a little bit better, but that might just be me being optimistic because he is thirty three this year, and if and there's a saying about old dogs and new tricks and it rings pretty true for a reason, but um, I don't know. I, I did, I did, I did think um, it probably didn't help matters that Dylan Brown had probably one of his worst games. In a yeah. Couple he of wasn't years. great. Like he didn't have a great one. And he's someone who I think the really long, um, the really long season last year might've just caught up with him a little bit in this one. Mm. Can't remember if he played in any of the trials or anything like that, but if he did, he would have only played about 20 minutes or whatever. So he'll be much better for the run. I didn't think he was, he was that flash, but you know, I wouldn't be panicking too much no, if, no. I was, if I was Parramatta. Like the, the the stuff that they were putting on last night would have been enough to handle probably eighty percent of the teams. Yeah, and it's the, the storm in round one. We've got to wait and see how they go over the next few games before we make make an opinion one way or the other. But yeah, uh, look, I, I was entertained. It was sloppy at times. There were some terrible options at times. There's a lot of bad errors, but comically bad errors, which are funny. Um, and yeah, it was just... I I thought the most comical error yep. was when poor old Tyron Wish. The Storm oh seemed to think God. that Tyron Wish can play the Bermuda every... Triangle. He can play. He, they seem to think he can play every position on the field. He was a dummy half before he went to the Storm, and they've played him like at halfback and on the wing and at fullback. Like they have literally played him everywhere. Yeah, but like. <laughs> So the kick went up and him and Meany are going to catch it and they sort of look at each other and Meany's like yelling at him, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. And then he gave Meany a spray afterwards. That was the best part. Like looking up at Nick Meany with absolute, like, just incensed at the betrayal. It I have so it like, great. it looked awful. Also, it was funny when Bronson Garlic was coming on and they were doing that spiel about him. Like, Charlie thought, my wife Charlie thought they were making the name up and then when I said, no, his dad, Sean Garlic, played for Souths and now he has a range of pies that, that you could buy at Woolworths. She thought that entire story I just completely made up. Didn't believe me. I was but, so happy for, for Garlic. I'm happy for any sort of mature age debutant. Debutant. Because you know I, mean? I think, what is he? Debutant. He's 26? 27. 27? Yeah. yeah, 27. Um, and he's sort of at that age where a lot of people have probably, or a lot of players who are in state cup have kind of given up hope that they are ever going to play. They are ever going to play first grade, and like that's 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 not a problem. Like it doesn't work out for everybody. And playing playing footy is better than not playing footy and all of that. But he probably made his peace with you know it's probably not going to happen for me, and that's just how it goes sometimes. But he's one of those ones. He had a great year for Newtown in twenty twenty one. I think he scored like fifteen tries in seventeen games as a back row or something like that. And he's just a classic. Storm success story where they find it, they just seem to have an endless, endless run of these dudes. And you know, even if he never plays another first grade game, which 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 might happen, that Could happens happen, yeah. with, with players sometimes. He's got that, he's got this game and he's got this win, and it kind of hey, it kind of it validates all those you'd years. You'd rather play one first grade game than zero. So. That's right. It validates all those years where he was running around in shitty New South Wales Cup games that nobody was watching. And there were probably a lot of times where he thought, you know what, fucking, what am I doing? Why am I wasting my time? I'm I'm a garlic, man. I can go out there and sling pies for the rest of my yep. life. 
But no, he stayed in it. He stayed in it. And when Grant scores that try, the first person that comes and jumps on top of him is is Garlic. So that was really yeah. nice. I do want to I want to show a little say. bit on some of the storm lesser lights. Like I thought yep. Josh King had his best probably maybe his best game in first grade. Showed a lot of like nice passing that I didn't know he had. And Alec McDonald, who's built like a, a wrestler from central Iowa or something like that. He had some really nice carries late in the game, particularly in Golden Point. And like I didn't know shit about Alec McDonald before. He gave us our first. He, was, he, he gave us our first. He can't disappear of the year when he gave away that penalty on Moses, who jumped in the air. Not but he couldn't, a, a, but he not couldn't disappear. You can't. You can, where's he supposed to go? Exactly. I don't know. But yeah, uh, he he was good on the other side of the ball. Jermaine Hopkins, a guy that Penrith fans hyped up for a while, thought he was fantastic, but clearly playing 84 straight minutes was felt at the end when he dropped off that tackle on Harry Grant that led to the game ending try. But up until that point, he'd been, he'd got through a mountain of work for them. He'd been really, really good. But yeah, I was going to ask about that. Brad Arthur's rotations, like the minutes were all out of whack for their forwards. Um, And having a guy like Hopgood, who doesn't have much first grade experience playing 84 minutes in the middle of the park. Is that, is that a good idea? Oh, look, I'm not. I, I know, I know. You know, Grant scored the winning try, and Hopgood was a bit slow on him and all that. But I'm not actually that worried about it because, like, is there a forward in the league that Harry Grant hasn't caught out once or twice at this point? Hanson, I, 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 I think it was more of an experience thing than a fatigue thing. Yeah, you know, I know he played 84 minutes and he did get through a mountain of work. Like the numbers are pretty fucking fantastic 21 runs for 174 meters 58 tackles five offloads led the line speed a lot of the time and a lot of really good passing i was really super impressed with did how something, he played did something happen to makatoa is there a reason he didn't come on the field and like we're no, remo- this is we removed greg just, played 16 minutes this like, is kind of just brad arthur's bag man like he, they're he, they're they're four bench players combined to play 77 minutes yeah he, he just like, mate honestly he just doesn't use his bench that often if he, if he can help it. And sometimes yeah. that's a strength because you get so much time out of guys like Paulo and RCG and Ryan Madison when he's there and, and all of that. But sometimes the situation calls for something a little bit different, but that is sort of Brad Arthur's, that is Brad Arthur's go. Like he doesn't just go mm. to his bench for the sake of it. Um, I was really impressed with Matt Dury on the right edge yeah, as well. Seems just like a really solid straight up and down Whole running back rower that try for um for Will Penasini a big part of that was Dury running a really really nice um, unders line which is really good and really helps set up the attack uh, down that whole edge. I'm really excited for Parramatta once they get Ryan Madison back and once he's part of that middle rotation as well because then they'll always have they'll always have at least two out of Paulo Campbell Gillard. Hopgood and Madison on the field. So that soft period that we sort of saw after Paulo and RCG went off, that 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 that'll stop happening. That'll stop happening once Madison's once yeah. Madison's there. And then that's, that's a, a big, really that's exciting a big in middle. for them. Like all, all those 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 four, and you've got three on the field at the same time. That's really, really good shit. I'm very, very excited for that one. Yeah. Um anyway, a, a fun season opener. I enjoyed it. And that's all we can ask for. Uh, is there anything you should want to talk about before we move on? Yep, yep, a couple more things. Um, I thought Asaf Solomon was really good for the story. Yeah, he was, he was, he was really taking good. names. He was he was really people. good in, in a different way to kind of... And the charge down on the field goal as well. Yeah, like that was great. Like I felt like he struck a really good balance of staying involved and... It was controlled rec- and aggression. Controlled aggression. That's it. And there was a really interesting quote in... Um, Andrew Webster's got a story with Cam Munster in today's Sydney Morning Herald. And there's a good quote in there where Munster said that when Tarek Sims came down to the storm, the storm brass sort of said to him, what do you think Melbourne doesn't have? 
And Tarek said, you don't have a lot of aggression or intimidation or like mongrel about you. And I think Nas is the guy who can fix that and who can change that. And I thought he he did a really good job in this and imposing himself physically on the on the Parramatta guy, on the Parramatta guys. Like he was squashing people, you know. And if he can do that sort of thing, then that radically changes what Melbourne's forward pack is is, is capable of. And one more thing before we move on, I I think Eli Katoa is going to be fantastic. Like he didn't bust the game open in this one, but he played the full game. He was super busy throughout. There were some really nice effort plays from him as well. Uh, really racing off the line defensively late in the game, um, having the the having the wherewithal and the and the confidence under pressure to sort of catch that rebounded field goal that a super Solomon had charged down. That's a measure of sort of how much sharper he is than he was at the Warriors. So he didn't break this game open in an attacking sense, but I I'm really really confident that he's going to be absolutely as good as we are. Uh, as we all hoped and anticipated he would be once he signed with the Storm. Yeah, it's just nice for the Storm to catch a break. Uh, finally, right? <laughs> Their luck's finally turned. Try! Try! This is a try! Brilliant! Brilliant play! I think it's a try! Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try! Gee, what about this bloke? All right, and this is our new segment. Uh, Campo, would you like to explain what about this bloke to the oh. to the listeners? Well, the, the the finest thing that a man can do is sit around and name old sports players with his mates. It's literally Great. my favorite thing to do. It's all we do in the in the in the entire world. Um, and there's a channel on uh, our Discord called uh, our Discord called Guys Naming Dudes, and it's literally just we all come together and we all talk about notable pl- or semi notable players from the late 90s, early 2000s, and today. So we've taken that experience, and we're going to put it on the show. So every week we select one person from uh, our third, our second tier and higher on the Patreon, and they get to nominate a guy, and Bungard and I will talk about that guy for about 10 or 15 minutes or as long as we damn want because this is our podcast and we can do whatever we want on it. So this week's guy is nominated by a notable friend of the show, Chris Avnell. And it's your friend and mine, Mark Tukey. Big Mark Tukey. Big Mark Tukey off the Crushers, the Eels, and the Warriors. I would go as far as to say as Mark Tukey is the first cult hero that I remember watching. You, you know what? When I was thinking about this segment, I, I I landed on the exact same thing. He's he's the first player that I remember watching, and I was like, everyone loves this guy. Is he any good? Only kind of, but everyone loves him. I think... I think the first cult hero was probably like Jeff Robinson at the Bulldogs in the 80s. He was like a wild man with really long hair and a long beard and all that sort of thing. He really stood out. But I'm with you. He's the mm. like Mark Tukey introduced me to the concept yep. of a cult hero. Because my obviously our formative rugby league years are the mid 90s, early mid to late 90s, early 2000s. And Mark Tukey was at the Parramatta Eels for 98, 99, and then the Warriors for five seasons after that. He's just a just a big dude with a goatee. Hitting it up, hitting people, running hard. What a player. Uh, if people aren't aware, Mark Tukey was a prop. Played for the Everyone's South Everyone's aware League. Mark Tukey was a prop. Come on. You don't need to tell well, me that. It's a prop's name. Oh, 100%. Uh, you can't be a halfback with a name like Mark Tukey. You can't. Uh, I wouldn't allow it. South Queensland Crushers, Parramatta Eels, New Zealand Warriors, and then a brief sojourn with the Castleford Tigers before finishing with the London Broncos. Imagine Tukes in the big city, man. 
Tooks in London. Like how? Like he he wears one of those caps that old men wear. Oh, dude, he did some protection work for some hard nosed cockneys in the East End. He actually did have a spot in a Guy Ritchie movie. I don't know if you knew that. Okay, I know you're lying, but you nearly tricked me into it. You nearly sold me on it because I got hundred percent. I got hundred percent. See Big Tooks as an extra in Snatch or something like that. I tell you, man, like Tooks the player sort of gets lost in in Tooks the character sometimes. But when you go watch him, especially at Parramatta, he wasn't just like a big lumbering dude. Like he wasn't like a Dane Tills where his size was his asset, but he wasn't really able to use it. Tooks was like over about a ten meter span or something like that. Was a little bit explosive. Had a little bit of go about him. Mm. The thing, the thing, the thing I always think with Mark Tukey is he could have only existed in the exi- in the era when he played because the league had unlimited interchange from '96 to 2002, and that just happens to coincide with Tukes's glory years, like impact player, not big minutes. The other guy he reminds me of is um, so on the 1985 Chicago Bears, right? They went 15 and one. They won the Super Bowl. They're one of the very, very best teams ever, and they're a great team because they had this really crushing defense and they had this enormous defensive tackle named William William Perry. Everyone called him the, the fridge. fridge. And he was just a, a giant of a man, about like six foot 12, 170 kilos. Like I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking big time, but was really quick over a 10 meter span. And I got a hundred percent see Brian Smith in the lab in the mid nineties, getting some game film that he got flown over from Chicago through a backroom deal with Mike Dicker or something like that. And him thinking, you know what? I need a fridge. I need a guy. I need I need a dude whose primary asset is he's just large and he can run over guys from about 10 metres out. And he found that in Tukey. You know what I mean? Get me a large lad. The largest. How, do you feel betrayed at all that Mark Tukey post-career ran marathons? No, no. I looked that up last night. And it, like there was a Sporting News did a really fun little interview with him a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, Tooks is looking good, man. Tooks is looking good. He sort of said that after he retired, he lost his way, but he's one of those guys who doesn't exercise unless he's training for something. You know what I mean? Like he needs like a, a, a task, a team, a goal, something to focus on. And he got pretty big. I think he got over 150 kegs or something like that. And he was sick of it. So he said he put an ad in the local paper and he said, who wants to train for a marathon? Train for a marathon, ran the Gold Coast Marathon. Great shit. Love you, Tooks. What a guy. You should get him to have a Petersham thirds this year if you can. Well, I don't know, man. He, they, they'd get him up to first or seconds too quickly, I reckon. That, that's true. They would. He'd still uh, have it at 45. Oh, dude. I think he played in that He played in that League of Legends tournament for Parramatta. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. happen up at the Sandy Coast. Yeah. So Tooks, Tooks started at Parramatta, and I always think of him as a Parramatta player, but I think he actually played more footy for the Warriors. And here's how I know Tooks is, you know, not just a big unit. Like, there's a brain in there as well. So... First year at the Warriors, they were still the Auckland Warriors, right? It was 2000 and they were still wearing the white jerseys with like a bit of blue and a bit of green and a bit of red. And Tooks had a bad year that first year. Like was in and out of first grade, playing a lot of New South Wales Cup and all that sort of thing. 2001, the Auckland Warriors rebranded to the New Zealand Warriors and they changed their colours and they wear a lot of black. And you know what black is as a colour? It's slimming. slimming. Yep. So Tuki went from, you know, an out of shape New South Wales prop to a big fat dynamo ended up having three great years with three three great years with the warriors started in the grand final a a cult hero to the end i love mark too one of my favorite bits in the sporting news story by the way is the fact that brian smith came up to him and said yeah they're, they're going to limited interchange next year so we're gonna not renew your contracts brutal 
like that's brutal. Fair, definitely, because he's he can't survive. Like imagine him now trying to play, trying to play in an eight. I want, I want, I want, no, I want late nineties Mark Tukey in the Volandi Ball era of twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Three, like three, three big carries in him a game though. Hundred percent. What a guy. Uh, and if you would like to nominate a guy for this segment going forward, you must be a member of our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash rookies. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's not too late to join the Coltrane Cup, which is our yearly tipping competition where you pick one match per week. You obviously can't tip the Storm, but you can tip any other team by the time you're hearing this that'll be out um, before the Friday night games. Uh, basically, it's really simple. I'll run through the rules really quickly. We won't do this every week, but it's it's week one. Um, you have to tip every NRL team at least once across the whole season. Can't tip a team more than three times in the whole season. Can't tip four against the same team uh, in consecutive weeks. And over the whole year, you've got to have the same number of home and away tips. That's it. Um, and so what we'll do most weeks, we'll run through each game that's coming up on the weekend. And when we get to the game that we're picking, we'll give our tip. But because this week we're doing our last little spiel for the Coltrane Cup, we'll talk about it now. Campo, I did think long and hard about picking South's but it's Shark Park and they never win there. I know Nico Hines isn't playing, but I'm just going to take the safe, cowardly option and go with the Roosters away to the the. Yeah, I think that's the that's the very popular the very popular pick. Um, and if you are thinking of joining the Coltrane Cup, please, please, please do so before round one finishes because even if you miss a single week, it can kind of kill kill your chances a little bit. You're basically bit. So starting with a loss. So. That's it. So until, so it like even if you get to Sunday morning and you hear this and you're 50-50, just get on, pick the Roosters to beat the to beat the Finns and, and you'll be sweet. I thought about going uh with the Roosters to beat the Finns, but I did want to have a different one to you just so we can open okay. up the yep. discussion a little bit more. I don't mind Souths over the Sharks, but just because Shark Park's such a weird place. And weird things happen there. They do. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to sort of mess with that juju until I absolutely have to. So I'm actually going against my guys. I'm taking the cows to do the Raiders up at the sweatbox. Wow. Yeah, I know, man. You I know, this is like, do that. Well, it's just like everything that I was worried about with this Canberra team has happened over the past, you know, two weeks or whatever. Like Xavier Savage got injured. And Seb Chris is playing fullback. Josh Papali, he's hurt his calf. He's probably not playing this week or next week. Danny Levi has somehow become the club's number one hooker. You know what I mean? Pasami Solo starting at prop. So you add all those things up. You go up to North Queensland where they have a really, really bad record. They lost nine of their last 11 games Mm. at Dairy Farmers. They've lost two out of three at Queensland Country Bank, whatever stadium. So that's 11 of their last 14 that they've lost in Townsville overall the Raiders are a cold weather team mm. it is fucking warm in Townsville every every time of year but especially this time of year so you know they're probably going to lose and in pretty bad fashion so why not take advantage of that and get this one out of the way early old go em- cows old emotional hedge captain oh that's right um all right so let's look ahead to all of round one's action uh, first up tonight, 6 p.m., the Warriors hosting the Knights in Wellington at Sky Stadium. Uh, is that the cake tin? I am not sure. There are so many sponsor names that I can't keep track of them all anymore. No, it is, and, it, and yes, it is. It is. It is. Glimpse, glimpse behind the curtain. So part of the ABC style guide for writing is that we don't use don't do sponsor names for stadiums. So I don't. So in a story, I wouldn't call it Suncorp. Would you stadium, call it Wellington call it Regional Park. Stadium or the Cake Tin in this case? I'd probably call it Wellington Stadium because there are some where it's a little bit hairy. Like for example, one of my first weeks, the ABC I wrote something about Melbourne and I used the phrase Amy Park, and someone said you got to call it by its non-sponsor Melbourne name. Melbourne like, Rectangular well, Stadium. I can't call it Melbourne Rectangular Stadium. I'll get laughed at. Like, 
They, but then there's, they, there's, I, I'm already, I'm already like a rugby league nerd. I can't, I can't. It is interesting far. though because there's I'll others. Give you a swirly. There's some, there's some where the sponsor is like, and I know a lot of people still say Lang Park, but Suncorp is synonymous with that ground. Yeah, and even, yeah. if, even if they got a new sponsor, it would still people would still say, oh yeah, we're up at Suncorp next week. But then there's others where like no one ever called Shark Park Ramondas Stadium. No one ever called it Lotto Land at Brookvale. No one. Like some of these names, no one's still no one's called it a core. Everyone still calls it ANZ or Stadium Australia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, well, it's I, like um, it's I don't know. Do you, where, where do you land on sort of the new the new SFS? Because I call it the new I call it the SFS. I just still call it the SFS. Ali Allianz gets a bit of play though. Allianz is all right. Yeah. 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 But it's like it's like some of it, some of it just holds on. Like we we're talking about the cows and the raiders before. I called it Dairy Farmers Stadium. It was it was They've had being seventeen yeah. sponsors since then. Yeah, I know. But like, yep. I'll never I'll never change. Why would you? So bringing it bringing it right back. I like the Warriors in this mm. one. I just think I'm not wild about Ponga at five eight. I think that's where I finally landed. I know we didn't see a lot of it in the preseason. We only saw about forty minutes in that trial against against Parramatta. But I didn't really love a lot of the signs, and I was already wavering on it. A little bit, and I've kind of talked myself into the Warriors when I've seen their team on paper because I do like that middle rotation. Um, I talked a lot about Jackson Ford on the on the preview show with Brendan Bradford uh, that got released early this week. I think he'll do well. I'm excited to see how Johnson and Tamari Martin link together, and I think they'll get a bit of a push just by playing in a part of New Zealand they haven't played in. Yeah, sometime. So I'm go I'm going the Warriors in this one. Yeah, I think it'll be cl- I think it'll be relatively close. But yes, they'll be teething problem with Ponga. They've had all the off-season off-field stuff with Dom Young. Like they're not a they're not a team where the vibes are very good at the moment. And the Warriors will have that big home crowd, which they've you know not had a lot of over the last couple of years. So I'll take the Warriors as well. Uh the big game, eight oh five PM at again, another one, Blue Bet Stadium. Get the hell out of here. No one calls it that. Um Penrith, short price favorites against the Broncos. Uh, if Mitch was here, he might make a case for Brisbane, but I see no reason to do that. I think Penrith should win comfortably. If you're a Broncos fan, Campo, what do you have to be optimistic about tonight? I think if you're a Broncos fan, like expecting a win's probably a bit too much, but I would expect them to give Penrith a, a pretty a pretty good go. Like, remember last year, the season opener was Penrith against Manly, right? And Manly had Trebojevic and, and were pretty fully loaded. Penrith didn't have Nathan Cleary. And there's a bit of talk in the lead up to the game saying like, oh, Manly can really make a statement and, you know, show Penrith what's what. And Penrith just came out and like smacked him in the mouth, really knocked him around. And Manly, you know, I know it's it's a dumb thing to say after one game, but it did kind of set the tone for, for Manly's whole season. They just never really, they never really got going. You know, they never really convinced me that they were a, a top a top line team. Drawing conclusions like out of that, like that out of round one games is usually really dumb. But I would like to see Brisbane stand up to Penrith a little bit, and maybe not beat them, but like run them close, like make them make them work for it. Like, I, like with Mitch talked a lot on the Broncos preview show about how how advantageous it is going to be for Brisbane to play in Queensland so much, but that means that when they play outside of Queensland, I want to see some good stuff. They don't have to win, but I want to see like a bit of ticker. You know, I want to see them kind of stand up to Penrith as best they can, and for Penrith. I kind of I kind of want to see some well constructed points mm. because the closest thing that we've had to the closest thing that we've seen from them um, over the last over the preseason whatever was that uh, World Club Challenge game against St Helens where I thought they played tough and they defended pretty well but their attack was not well constructed they scored two tries they were both off kicks 
things were all pretty clunky. And given that they're going to have a new full-time hooker, given that they don't have kick-outs attacking presence on that left edge, points are going to have to come from, from somewhere else. Yeah, and I would just like to see them score a few tries that aren't, you know, Nathan Cleary puts in a nice kick. I want to see some set plays or, you know, some so just a little bit of sparkling footy. Not a lot, not yep. a lot, still March, but just a little bit. One thing I am intrigued by in this is that I think that when we did the Penrith preview, I said that a lot of their success in the regular season will come just by sheer brute force of their forward pack and that we won't really see the full effects of losing Bill Kikiao and, and Appy Coruscant until those big games later on in the season. But Brisbane are a team that can stand up to Penrith in terms of forwards. There aren't many teams that can, and I'm not saying that they're their equals, but they're Brisbane are a pretty good forward pack, man. And if they can they can go toe-to-toe with Penrith, there is a remote chance they could force a boil over. If they had Reese Walsh instead of Selwyn Cobb at fullback and then Cobb on the wing instead of Jesse Arthurs, I might feel a bit more comfort, confident in that regard, but that's an unfortunate thing that Walsh wasn't playing but yeah dude I don't know I'm uh, like they match up really well they're they, they've played Penrith pretty hard in the in their past couple of games from memory like even when Brisbane have been pretty poor and Penrith have been this world-beating team they've had a couple of decent games against them so that's right so I think in this game will be a little bit closer than the what dollar 35 to three dollars 25 odds suggest I'm still gonna tip Penrith but I like Brisbane to keep this close for the first hour and maybe Penrith score a couple of late tries it ends up being like 22 to 10 or something like that I'm glad you mentioned the forwards because I think that is an area where, where Penrith will challenge Brisbane. I'd, I'd really like to see Brisbane respond to that challenge because, like you said, they've got the cattle to do so. I can see this game being really close with about 20 minutes to go and then Cleary puts up one of his screamers and Selwyn Cobbo is playing fullback yeah. this way. It just gets yeah. a little bit lost because in the in the, in the the dark Penrith night and, uh, you know, makes a key error and that kind of opens the floodgates. The red so, lights take, radiating take... off all the KFC signage. <laughs> So I'm taking I'm taking Penrith, but I I would like to see a contest in this one. Yeah. Um. All right. Then Saturday at Brookvale, Brookvale, three p.m. First Super Saturday of the year. Tom Tavoyevich is back. Manly are hosting the Bulldogs. Um. I don't know what to make of this game because there's no Josh Schuster. Cooper Johns is playing five eight. The Manly forward pack doesn't inspire me. Their backline certainly doesn't inspire me. But they've got Tom Tavoyevich, who will be the best player on the field. It's tough to make a call one way or the other. There's so much hype around the Bulldogs. They're the team that everyone's picking to rise up the ladder this year. But you look at that team and there's still a bunch of gaps there for me. I'm not entirely sold on them as a project just yet. I think they're another year away, as we said on the Bulldogs preview. But in this game, I think they've got a chance, Kevo. I do too. I'm tipping him. That's my it's my upset of the of the week. Um, and it's mainly because I just like their forward pack a lot more than I like Manly's at the minute, especially the middles. Um, Luke Thompson is a big out for Canterbury, huge. I yeah. think. I We haven't really seen the best of him in his years with the Bulldogs. I think this is his fourth season. He's actually been here for a little for a little while now, but it's always one of those things. He'll have a couple of good weeks and then he'll get injured and, and he's just sort of struggled to stay on the field altogether. If he was going to be out for six months, like they were originally talking when he first went down at training or whatever, then I would have serious doubts of the of the Bulldogs making the eight. And I had him in my eight to begin the season. So he is he is a loss, but New Brown is a really underrated player. He's a really good passer in the middle third. So I'm expecting the Bulldogs to play with a lot of really good width. And while Tom Trebojevic is the best player on the field, you know, the, the comeback could be, it, you know, it, it's it's not reasonable to expect him to play like 2021 type form in his first game back. But I think, I think this will be a really, a really good contest. And I think it'll be one of those games that has a lot of color and a lot of vibrancy about it. They've sold it yeah. out 
They've sold it out, so it'll be a That's cool. big, rowdy crowd as well. I'm taking the dogs, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Sea Eagles uh, get it. I've got this. I've got this one as a, a real tight contest. Yep. For we the get a, maybe, we get, maybe a bit of GP. Maybe we get lots of GP on opening weekend, man. We get a Paul Alamotti debut as well. People, a lot of Bulldogs fans are excited about him. So let's see how that goes. Uh, I'm going to take Manly. Uh, Friday, up uh, Friday, Saturday, five thirty p.m. Again, yeah, Queensland Country Bank Stadium. Get the hell out of here! They should, um, they should ring up dairy farmers and bring it should, back. That was a great call. sponsorship. Uh, Cowboys hosting your beloved Canberra Raiders. You talked about them a little bit in the Coltrane section, but we'll continue on down that path. Cowboys short price favorites. It's going to be stinking hot. They're coming off their best season in a little while. I mean, the Raiders are starting Danny Levi at hooker, Pasami Solo at prop. Their bench isn't great. Uh, I mean, you've you've tipped against your own team in the Coltrane Cup, so clearly you don't feel confident about their chances. But what kind? What what's the scenario that needs to happen here for them to eke out a win in this game where they're healthy outsiders? Well, I think for for them to to get the win, they need the Cowboys to be rusty. They need Scott Drinkwater to have one of his bad days at fullback. They need Danny Levi to be really, really good. And I just don't know if he's got that in him. The Danny Levi thing is 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 crazy to me. I think we recorded the Raiders preview before that second trial, before that second trial where Ricky pretty much played his top team for the first half or something like that. And it's still really surprising to me that Levi's kind of come from the clouds like this. He only joined the Raiders, I think, at the start of January. So in the space of about two months or so, he's managed to jump over the top of Zach Wolford, who was so good for them all through sort of like the latter two thirds of last season. And look, I think Levi is a really capable uh, backup hooker or like, you know, say somebody goes down and you just need an experienced person in there for the rest of the season. Levi's a good option, but I don't know what Canberra can get out of him that we haven't already seen because Levi has been around for longer than, longer than people think he debuted in 20 back in 2015 for Newcastle, and he's been through a lot of clubs since then. He went through Manly, he went through Brisbane. He had a year over in the Super League with Huddersfield, and I think the book's kind of written on him. Like he's a pretty good runner of the ball. He plays pretty direct. He's a he's a solid enough defender. His his pass is okay, but it's not great. So I I don't know what I don't know what they're looking to draw out of him. I don't know what they've seen on the tape. And there is a lot of tape on Danny Levi. He's played 112 first grade games. I don't know what they've seen where they've thought, you know what, we can draw something out of him that hasn't been there. Maybe Wolford had a bad off season. I don't know, but yeah, let Levi in there has kind of, has kind of uh, dampened my enthusiasm for, for what the Raiders can do this season a little bit. I don't know if he'll last the season there because I think they're going to have a really tough time in this sort of first month to six weeks and then we could see some real changes after that. But, yeah, I'm not wild about it. I'm not, I'm not wild about Seb Chris at fullback no. either. You know, I kind of – he's someone who surprised me a lot last year when he came back into the team. He, he looks like getting another preseason under his belt really helped him take the next step. As an athlete, he looked a lot lighter, a lot fitter, a lot faster, and he was a lot more explosive too. But – You've got to be a really good athlete you, to play fullback. You've you got to really be able to go. Do you think there's a chance? Do you think there's a chance at kickoff we see Smith Shields to the wing, Rapana to fullback, Chris back to center? I don't know. I don't think Rapana wants to play fullback anymore. Um, he's he doesn't strike me as sort of um, strikes me as a pretty sort of honest person. What he says with the media, and a couple of weeks ago, he pretty much said, "I'm too old to play fullback. I don't want to do it anymore." <laughs> Fair enough. I'd actually really like them to see them try Smith Shields at fullback. Okay. 
But I think that's unlikely given this is his first game since the end of 2021 because he missed all last year with injury, you know. But I think the Cows, I think the Cows will win the middle of the field. I think Tamalola will have a really big game and I'm looking at the Cows to win this one and it wouldn't surprise me they win it pretty well, actually. James Tamalola's back. That's fun. It's nice. It's good yeah. for everybody. Uh, that, look, I'm not like, I think we're pretty clued into the old rugby league a lot of the time, I think. But that really, I was certain he retired after that whole thing with the Tigers, how he got suspended, cried, got to play the last game because they lessened his suspension. And then it just popped up during the Cowboys thing. Oh, off-season gains, James Tom. I was like, oh. Honestly, I, 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 I'm I, not sure about this, but I think he did retire. Okay. I think he was he was definitely going to do it. And then the Cows just said, man, just come up and show the boys little bit of that 2015 lifestyle, Jim. And you, you know not, what? He's a he's a great he's a uh, re, he's a great dude. So I was gonna say you and I have both I'll interviewed him for stories in the past. He has all the time in the world for you. Yeah. He's a cracking fellow. One of the one of the one of the best blokes in rugby league. All right. Uh 7 35 p.m. I will be heading out, Campo, to Shark Park, not Points Bet Stadium, to watch the Grand Old Club, uh, who are uncomfortably short favorites against the Cronulla Sharks in this season opener no nico hines obviously so they've gone with uh matt moylan and Braden tricky trindle in the halves uh south's relatively full strength jacob host really the only one not playing um i feel pretty good about this they're looking really really solid they were fantastic trials don't mean anything but they were very very solid in the charity shield uh i think latrell mitchell's going to play this whole season like he's got a point to prove and losing the dally m winner a week before the game is not ideal preparation um but it's Shark Park. That's the problem. It's Shark Park. It's the Bermuda Triangle, as they say. Like weird shit happens. Souths very rarely win there. Even last year, where they probably should have, Trell shanked three field goal attempts in that game. Um, but that's not going to stop me from picking them this time. Their forward pack is going to be too good. Their back line is going to be too slick. I like the Rabbitohs to win this game by a couple of tries. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. On paper, Souths South should be able to take care of business in this one. Um, Nico Hines is obviously a huge yard. Tricky Trindle, someone that I've always had a lot of time for, but I thought he had a pretty bad year last year when he did um, come into first grade in relief of either Moylan or Hines. Um, so I'm probably not as confident in him as I, as I have been in the past. Um, I think South's forward pack is a lot stronger. I think if the Sharks to, to win this, they've got to rely on some like you know some real shire, some real shire business. You know what I mean? Some real 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 Cronulla Shark Park Saturday night. Pissing down rain, somehow they get it done. Yeah, yeah. Paul Gallon shouts the bar afterwards. Like that's 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 the sort of thing and that I, that they're relying on here a little bit. And I think they're going to need big games from their middles. And if last last season's semi final between these two teams, anything to go by? I mean, South dominated that game in the forward pack and basically had their way throughout. You might remember that try where Cam Murray just shrugged off the Alphanukan and jogged fifteen meters to score. They dominated that game. They've got canted? basically. I would say he, I'd say he canted. canted? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, canted. Yeah, they they dominated that game. They're basically the same, almost the same 17s minus Cronulla's best player. So no, <laughs> like, well, um, so no reason to think that Souths won't. Souths will take a step backwards here. I'll take the Rabbitohs to win this one. And I assume you are the same, yes? I am. I am. Yeah. I, I, I do. There are two more things I want to bring up. Oh, yeah, go whenever, on. whenever you talk to any of the Souths guys, over, like in the weeks leading up to, to round one, they all all mentioned how the last few years they've had slow starts. And this year they're really, really focused on a fast start. So I think they're really trying to pick this game out as one that sort of really gets them going. So I wouldn't surprise to see them really, really dialed in for this one. And um, I really liked as well Latrell Mitchell's comments from earlier this week where he said he wants to win the Daly M. He says it's one of the only things in footy that he hasn't done. Mm. And I know that, you know, we all 
have our issues with the Daly M and all of that. But I think the more important thing than Latrell Mitchell wanting to win the Daly M, than Latrell Mitchell winning the Daly M, is him win- wanting to win the Daly M, which means he has to play good every week. Can't take weeks every off. week. Locked in every week, and yeah. Latrell Mitchell locked in every week radically changes what's possible for South this year. That's true, and that's his idol, Greg Inglis, never won the Daly M because he had to. He never got close. Never was in the top ten because there was just weeks where he just faded in and out of games, which. On his day, best player in the world, in my opinion. But, yeah, just had weeks like that. And Trell's the same. So if he could somehow tap into that and be that player every week, Jesus Christ, that's scary. GI did win 5-8 of the year in 2008 ahead of Terry Campisi. And when I've gotten over that one, I'll let you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, yeah, historically, who's to know which of those two players will be looked back on more fondly? If Terry Campisi had won the Dalian 5 of the year in 2008, he wouldn't have got jammed up. With that recent political campaign, that's no true. One would have, no one would have dared cancel Terry Campisi if he had that little bit of if he had that little bit of swag in his you know what? At home. I think you're right. <laughs> um, Sunday, four p.m. The Dolphins, their first ever NRL game, hosting the Sydney Roosters. Uh, the Roosters are the short price favourites. They are my cold train pick. But Campo, it's just so exciting to have a new team. We haven't had a new team since two thousand and seven. Um, will they win? Probably not, but they've got a bunch of young, exciting players, a bunch of old, experienced heads, and I'm just looking forward to it. The Roosters have it in them to lose games they shouldn't lose, and, you know, this will be fun, hopefully. I just want it to be fun. I think you were saying the other day that when you saw that Dolphins team on paper all put together, you liked it a little bit more. Was that you saying that, or am I getting you mixed up? No, but I'll go with it for the purposes, <laughs> for the purposes of this discussion that you're making. I'll go on. No, well, I am. Um, I've sort of found myself over the last week getting really excited for this game, and it's not because I think the Dolphins will win or anything like that. It's just like it's just like you say, we just haven't had a new team in a really long time. This is the first time this has happened in in 16 years. So anytime something happens, only happens once every decade and a half by definition it's you know it's a it's a rare and special thing so i'm kind of pumped for it it probably helped that i was filling up my car the other day went into the servo bought a can of vanilla coke because i was thinking about the dolphins jersey and it was good i don't have vanilla coke in 10 years mm. reward your curiosity man and it kind of kicked me off on a bit of a thing i watched um a replay of the titans first ever game that kind of got me really excited watching chrissy walker score a double watching richie williams from the dragons take an intercept run 40 meters flip off Preston Campbell and put the ball down. Like, unbecoming, but, you know, genuinely exciting as well. So I'm, I, I think this this game will have a real sense of occasion to it. I, th- I hope we get a big crowd up at Suncorp. I hope, I hope it feels as special as it can be. Like, of course, I'm tipping the Roosters, even though I think a couple of injuries have sort of made their squad look a, a lot uh, less formidable than it did uh, than it did. A little bit earlier in the preseason, I actually think that's going to be the biggest impact of the that, that the Dolphins have on the competition this year. Is just their presence has sort of taken um, has ripped out a lot of a lot of teams, a lot of teams' mm. depth and all of that. And you can really notice that in round one. But I'm excited for this one. I am tipping the Roosters, but I just hope it's a really good day up there. We we were talking about this the other day with the cap numbers, player numbers for the team. So we were discussing how Preston Campbell was the Titans first ever player because of the way they numbered it. And the uh, Owen Craigie was South's first player after reinstatement because of how they numbered it. So who will be the, the's first player? I think they've settled on uh Tabuai Fidel doing it. I think they're going, they're going numerical. Okay. I think they're going numerical for this, for this first game. I'd be tempted to just sort of game the system. So Jesse Bromwich was Dolphin number one. 
But um, I am excited for it. And I do think there is a, an opportunity for one of the all-time stupid footy gags. Like, this could be up there with get them on side if we do it right. Where when someone scores the Dolphins' first try, you tweet something like, congratulations to so-and-so for becoming the Dolphins' all-time leading try scorer. And we do it for every you, try through the whole For every game. single try all through the season. Or, you know, every, every like you tweet it, you tweet out. Well, yeah, well, this was graphics. this dumb, this was this dumb joke we did with Cam Smith every time he broke the game's record by playing another game. That's exactly what got me thinking right. of it. Fantastic. <laughs> Good. Great. I'm happy. I'm on board with doing that. I'll do that from the pod account every week. Good idea. Yeah, nice. Um, I do want to just touch on really, really quickly someone who's not actually playing, um, Anthony Milford. Wayne Bennett and Jesse Bromwich, they were both sort of questioning why happy. Anthony Milford wasn't playing in this game, why it was O'Sullivan and Isaiah Katoa, and they were both very, very uh, strong. Whatever the opposite of effusive is. Yeah, they really, they really, they sort of went after Milford as much as you'll see a coach and a captain go after a, a big name player in um, in the modern day. And, and, and Bennett kind of said, oh, you know, Tony's got a decision to make. Does he just want to sort of loaf through life, or does he want to try and get the best out of himself? And that's true, but I do think that that's a decision that Anthony Milford made a couple of years ago. I think, you know, I, there was no bigger fan in the Canberra days and the early Brisbane days of Anthony Milford's talent than I, but, I, it, you know, it, we can't be sitting here after 200 NRL games saying, oh, you know, he got, he's got to knuckle down and get the most out of himself. At some point, you are what your record says you are, you know, and mm. Anthony Milford, I think, is... Made it pretty clear that he's not interested in 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 sort of getting the best out of himself as a as a footballer, which is a which is a real shame. But um, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of feels where it, if Wayne Bennett's given up on him, yeah, if Wayne Bennett was always one of his big big champions. Then you know we might be at the end of the road for Tony. Young Tony was different, man. He was special, and it just sucks because we all kind of came to the collective opinion when he said he was going to leave the city of Brisbane a couple of years ago that it would be better for him to just not be around whoever he associates himself with when he's at home, where it's clearly that he's thinking about things other than footy. So the moment he re-signed with the Dolphins, I don't think any of us had particularly high hopes for him, but we did have the Wayne Bennett factor that we hoped that would potentially play a part in getting him back on the straight and narrow. And as you said, those Bromwich boys, Mark Nichols, some very experienced old heads in there to help him stay on this help him keep his head on it just hasn't happened so far and it's just disappointing more than anything else because when that guy was on he was fantastic i think it's pretty pretty telling that i just sort of said he just hasn't worked hard enough in the preseason you know he's just kind of gone through it just just letting things letting things happen to him like he like he has for a good couple of years now you know so if that's what he wants to do then that's then that's what he's doing and the last game of the round at Leichhardt Oval, 6.15pm. The West Tigers hosting the Gold Coast Titans. It's never boring when these teams play. It's always chaotic. I'm excited for this game. Uh, I might come down and watch it with you on Sunday, Arvo. I haven't made a call yet. But uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, are we? Are we? Are they all the way back as the team of the show yet? Um, Possibly, possibly. Uh, your insane campaign last year to have the Sharks as team of the, the Sharks show. Sharks were the 2022 like... team of the pod. That's just but how... You, just because you keep saying it doesn't... doesn't well, actually, when you're the host, it, it is. It, that is how it works. One of, like... the, one, of the, one of the hosts disagreed. There was uh, a no, deadlock in hang terms on, hang of on, hang on, hang on. I am the host. You are, you are, you are the, you're, you're the, you're the John Madden. I'm the Pat Summerall, whatever that guy's name was. <laughs> Don't even know his name. Okay. Oh. Um, maybe, maybe they can be. Maybe they can be. I, I'm just really keen to see how all their diff, all their new parts kind of kind of fit together. And particularly Happy Corus. I, I I do think it's really important that the Tigers win this game. Like I don't like to put undue importance on 
on round one. It's matches. a must-win game. Not a mu- it's not a must-win game. It's not a must-win game. But think about all the talk about the Tigers over the summer and how the mm-hmm. fans are finally excited again, and they're playing at Leichhardt, and it'll be you know Give them a reason to believe. Yeah, like a beautiful twilight match. The sun will be setting over Iron Cove, lighting up the sky in you know beautiful orange color. Imagine all that happens, and then they come out and they lose to the fucking Gold Coast. Yeah, like. You know, you don't lose you don't lose seasons in March, but I, I, given given everything that sort of fan base has gone through, I would really like. I think it's important that they get off to a to a good start, or just something that they can they can feel a little bit good about. So, I'm taking the Tigers, but can you ever tip the Tigers confidently? No, you have, of course not. Um, I'll take them as well, and I'm not confident about it, but. I, I'm I'm happy with it because I enjoy the West Tigers and we just want them to be happy. Just want them to, just want them to have fun out there. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, a couple of little uh, news and notes we're going to talk about. Um, there's been so much talk about Dom Young going to the Roosters that it kind of caught everyone a little bit off guard when it came out that Spencer Lenya will be leaving the Panthers with the Roosters, the most likely destination camp. But he's a really good forward. That's a great signing. Yeah, it'll be a really good, a really good signing. And this is the one that sort of set off a lot of talk about the Roosters and the salary cap and all that sort of thing. And I can understand fans' frustration because Penrith are losing Spencer Lingy because they can't pay him the money, but the Roosters who already have a really good roster somehow can pay him the money. But I think you've got to look at it with a with a couple with a couple of sort of further context um context notes on it. So number one, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Roosters have sort of come from the clouds on Dom Young and on Spencer Lingu in the last couple of weeks. If you look at who's off contract for the Roosters this year, one of them is Daniel Tupo and one of them is Jared Warrior Hargraves, two all-time servants for that club. They've done so, so much. But they are two older players. They are both off contract. It wouldn't surprise me if a decision has been made either by the Roosters or by those guys that this is this is the end of the road for them. And then all of a sudden... The prospect of getting Menu in or getting Tupo in, maybe, oh, sorry, getting Young in, maybe on a little bit less money than they could have commanded on the open market because that is just something that the Roosters are capable of doing. All of a sudden, that makes a lot more sense, you know? And the Jared Warrior Hargraves one, to me, that now seems quite likely that either th- that, 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 that this could be his last season because mm. the one thing that the Panthers... There's two things that the Panthers can't give Spencer in you, right? They can't give him starting front row of money and they can't give him a starting front row of spot because they just don't have one. They've got Leota and they've got Fisher Harris and they're both way too good to move on like that. Lenny's been great off the bench for them, but he wants to start. Of course he wants to start. He's got that sort of footy in him. So I think the Roosters kind of just swooped in opportunistically like they do. And they thought, you know what, here's a guy who can be the cornerstone of our forward pack for the next 10 years or something like that. And who does have a lot of those same asset, those same um, attributes as Warrior Hargrave. So he does have that aggression. He does have that, that raw power. He does have that sort of follow me boys. Let's go, you know, kick the shit out of these guys sort of attitude about him. So, you know, no one like, you know, I think everyone, everyone has been, everyone's already sick of the roosters just hoovering up all the good players. But from a footy perspective, I really like Len Yu for them. I think that's one of the, one of the, one of the sharper signings that they've made. In the last um, couple of years, yeah, and assuming a, it does happen, which isn't official well, yeah. yet, but and it looks a, like it's going to. There is a bunch of chat that this will be Craig Bellamy's last season. Hasn't been made official yet, but even people like Billy Slater are saying it. Um, you know, I don't want to speculate on it too much until it's confirmed. But uh, would it be Slater himself who takes over as the new coach? 
Possibly, possibly. I don't know. I, I tend to think um, Jason Riles might be yeah. the guy that they go after. He was a really um, highly credentialed assistant for them for a really long time. He's somewhere else now. I can't remember, but he did a stint in England rugby and all that sort of thing. So he got a bit of time outside the Melbourne system. So if Bellamy was to hang it up, I think they would probably go pretty hard for Riles. But also... I won't believe that this is Craig Bellamy's last year no. until Melbourne appoint a new coach because Bellamy has been talking about slowing down and maybe retiring for a long, long time now. And I understand that he's getting older. He's the third oldest coach, first grade coach in Australian rugby league history. The only guys who are older, uh, no, sorry, he's the fourth oldest. So there's, two, there's Wayne Tim Bennett, Sheens. obviously. It'll be Tim Sheens this week. And then there was uh, your favourite, Arthur Ash Hennessy, what a guy. who coached Souths in 1946. One of their greats of the, the 20s and, and 30s, and then mm. came back to coach them in 1946 after 18 years on the sidelines. Love that. Things didn't go great. They didn't win a game. Ah, well, you know, the important thing is everyone had fun. Also, it was, right. they were still reeling from the war. It was a whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be... I, like, I know Bellamy's talking about hanging them up. I won't believe he's hung them up until, you know, the new coach is in leading the way because Bellamy has made these sorts of noises before. I think they should get the Walker brothers in. That'll never die. They'll, they'll always be linked with every coaching gig until the end of time. Are they still coaching anywhere? Uh, I'm not sure. I know that they've coached more games in the Queensland Cup than any other coaches in That's history. That's cool. They are the all-time games coached leaders for that Good competition. Alright. Uh, I'm happy to get out of here. How about you? I'm happy to get out of here too, but first you got to read all this. I've got names, them up you? on the screen. I just want to make sure you didn't have anything else to say before we uh, did that. No, you've got the things to say. Read them out. All right. And so uh, a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon group service. If you want to su- if you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. You can to a Discord server, which is well and truly back after last night. Absolutely popping off. Uh, enter into the Coltrane Cup. You got to do that by the end of this week. I mean, you can start next week, but yeah. Uh, you can nominate guys for What About This Guy? And uh, plenty of other benefits as well. Merchandise, discounts, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, and the bonus question times show every week. So if you like this podcast, if you are a new listener, thank you for coming on board. And uh, we'll do a th- we do a third show every week, which is just, uh, you know, listener mail, basically. It will come out on Wednesdays, but you only get that if you are a Patreon subscriber. The first episode of that is on the main feed. We did that a couple of days ago. So you can go back and listen to that. And if you like it, you can support us. Just like these fine people, Chris Avnell, Dave, Nico Hines had the greatest season in NRL history. Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Butsy, Chewbacca, Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Jez Plus, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kick South out of the comp, Lock and Hancock, Luke Ferguson, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, My Ding Dong is Hard and I Am Sad, Never Trendy, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Shanta Simo, Stoned Gossard, Ty, TV, The Black Vegetable, The Not So Mature Age Student, Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, and Was. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Oh, Camper, we're back. We're going to go to the pub and watch some footy tonight. I'm going to a game tomorrow. Potentially another game with you on Sunday. Oh, it's just good. It's just good life. handsome people on on that Patreon list. Before we get out of here, I do want to send a quick shout out to listener Morgs. Um, He's been doing a bit tough these last couple of days. He's had a couple of things on. Uh, but and uh, Morgs, we're all thinking of you, and we hope you sort of uh, you know work stuff out, and hope everything goes okay. Big Storm man, they won last night. You're a great man, Morgs. So, I know that it's like he just for, for a couple of reasons he had a lot 
personally riding on the on the game last night. It meant a lot to them that they won, and I'm really really stoked for him that that, that they did that. So thinking good on, him, on him. You're a good man, Morgs. We're thinking of you. All right, Campo, let's get the hell out of here and go watch some rugby league. Fucking oath, the smartest thing you've ever said. <laughs> All right, say goodbye, Campo. Bye, guys. And it's goodbye from me.